You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Glad people can understand that reference. PT, I don't have to just explain it to you. You're, of course, the biggest professional wrestling fan on the site. Am I right? Of course. Of course. I love course. that shit. Followed closely by the, the most pot, most. Uh, you're the biggest baseball fan on the site, too, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, this is the A-Side Live Chat here on MMAFighting.com. Here with a regular Wednesday edition. Uh, my I'm, of course, Jose Youngs, so the host. Joining me is my Wednesday partner in crime, PT Carroll. I think he's below me this week. Sometimes he's above me. I think Casey is to the left of me on my screen and joining us back by popular demand. My fellow namesake, Jose Shorty Torres, is back. I think he has now officially been the most tenored guest host on this show. So, Shorty, welcome back. How's quarantine life? It's good. I've missed you guys. I feel like the only reason I'm back is because there was no one on the schedule. They're like, oh, man, we need someone. Shorty, come on back. Yeah, nah, you can fill this hole. So, oh, hey, I'm happy so to be back. So and and uh, No puns intended. But I'm also <laughs> waiting for my crystal still. Um, during this quarantine, is probably the most beat up I've been throughout this whole, if you want to say, camp. Uh, for people who don't know, I've been sparring with Edson Barboza getting them ready for, is it Dan Ige? Dan Ige? Yeah. I, I, Ige. Um, Dude, I'm exhausted. You know, I, I, I always like to mess around and be like, man, ATT is going to kick me out of here any day. I don't think they like me. We have this little group chat where they tell you what partner you're going to be with, whether it's for sparring or wrestling. And uh, they're like, hey, uh, Shorty's going with Edson. I'm like, is this a setup? Is this a trap? Or am I just that fat? Like, there's no small guy want to go with me. <laughs> and why not both? Dude, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Edson, Edson, yeah, it's actually very true. Huh, I didn't think about that. Edson is probably one of the like handful of people that I've ever sparred with. And I've sparred with phenomenal legends. It, he's one of those guys where I was actually like tingling before I got in there because I was so excited but also so yeah. nervous. Because you watch, if you don't know him, if you just type in his name on YouTube, the highlight reel is just ridiculous. You know, so I'm like, oh man, I got to stay close, small for him, and I also got to be just like his opponent. So um, it does change my game style a little bit, but man, I learned so much throughout these uh, two, three weeks, and it's been a lot of fun, but I am definitely beat up. That's why I'm dressed up. I'm trying to implement the look good, feel good, but I'm, I'm dying on the inside here. I look legs? fabulous. My legs are actually, thank you, by the way, my legs surprisingly <laughs> are well because I was trying my best to be like, you know what? What are, what are his biggest strengths? Obviously, his leg kicks are the, the biggest thing, so I have to stay as close as possible. But he learned so much inside boxing game. I was like, oh, okay. You know what? I got to try to take you down and trying to take him down. How much, you know, again, you do feel the size advantage, even though he's not trying to implement that on me too much. You feel the size of strength advantage, him getting back up. And the scariest thing is his knees. You know, it's like, cool, I'm going to be close so I can muff his leg kicks. And I don't know where he would fake and just grab a clinch and just start kneeing away. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm just I'm going to die. And he he literally he, he's such he's a very, very phenomenal practice partner. But he just kind of shows you the knees that he's going to hit you in the face, but he never throws them. And you just look at it and it's just kind of like that slow motion. You're like, oh, it's over. It's oh, it's definitely over. Who is the most brutal training session you've ever, the sparring session you've ever been in there with uh, Shorty? Like, which one, when you think about it, you're just like, shit, that was awful. I've, I've scrapped with a few people. I think um, probably the, some of the most intense I've ever gone with was TJ. Because TJ is known to just kind of go 100% if you can't take the fire, get out of the kitchen type of thing. So him and I have gone back and forth scrapping. I know when he was getting ready for Lineker, I was with him pretty much for a full month of, I think three days a week just sparring with the the small puffy gloves. So we were just cracking each other. And it's it, it definitely was one of the most painful experiences ever. Was that down in Florida? Jesus. 
That one was down in uh, or up in Colorado when he was at uh, the Muscle Farm um, building, and he was you know with Dwayne Ludwig before training lab ever started in Anaheim, California. So it was a good time, but it was funny because I'm like, oh man, I'm I'm trading with him back and forth, and you hear Dwayne, he's like, he's finding Lineker, don't throw any jabs, don't throw any straight punches, just do this, and I'm like. This just means I'm gonna get hit that much more. Cool, thanks, coach. We'll do. And it was. I think. I think I had a black eye at the end of every single week. Wow. I've heard a lot of stories about TJ, uh, TJ Dillashaw, and how he trains. And it's basically, yeah, just it's basically a fight. He's just super intense in the in in the gym. Yeah, no, he he's. I mean, he, some of the best in the world. You can talk about. Uh, basketball like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, or you can talk about uh, MMA fighters or boxing, they hate losing. So they do everything possible to to win. And TJ, whether you hear the, the rumors or the actual stories of him punching after the bell or doing this, he's done it a couple times, but he, that's how much he's committed to winning. Like he just hates losing that much that he just goes all out. And if you saw having to be knocked out, again, if you can't take the fire, at least with TJ, stay out of the kitchen. Now, is there anyone you've trained with that you'd be like, I'm never training with that guy again? That's never going to happen again? I haven't had that per <clears> se, <throat> at least sparring-wise. I know like I've rolled a Moicano a couple times, and his level of jiu-jitsu is just here. And Moicano doesn't have the control button sometimes when it comes to rolling with someone his size to rolling with somebody smaller. He treats everyone like they're a heavyweight. So he is tossing you around like a rag doll. Dude, his, his level of jiu-jitsu is just so belittled right now by the UFC that it's – Again, it, it's a whole different thing practice, but I've never been manhandled like that before. Wow. You ever spar with uh, Curtis Blades? I've actually sparred with Curtis Blades uh, a bunch of times. He what? keeps ducking me. He Oh, he ducks me. <laughs> um, so shout out Curtis Blades. Uh, if you want to make a celebrity, there's a reason why he faced Anthony Rumble Johnson in that sumo wrestling match because he denied me. You know, so wow. um, he, you know, he, he definitely doesn't want any of this heat. Curtis does not want this. Well, this is why he's in Colorado. He's not with me down in American Top Team. We'll make we'll make Let's a story where you you're he's holding back the uh, all that uh, monetary gain from those T-shirts you guys put out, right? So you guys got to spar over the money. <laughs> I just want to say, talking about those T-shirts, that guy did no work about that. He's <laughs> like, ah, cool, you can put my face on it, and never promoted it. Put it once in his story, and I think he took it down like two hours in. I'm like, oh. You know, this is all my money, right? I, I get to keep this. Just want to say that. But now he's he's a good guy, even though I will mess him up any day out of the week. There you go. Hey, Shorty, what's that? What's that fine line when you're training between, like, maybe a guy like TJ, between a guy that's a really good training partner versus, you know, a really intense training partner versus a guy that's he's just gonna hurt you, or that you're just like, you know, you don't want to break your toys basically during training, like. You definitely don't want to break your toys, but you know, for me, if I'm sparring with somebody like TJ or sparring with somebody just in general, I'm going to go as hard as you go with me. You know, I usually let you throw the first punch and I go, okay, cool. You're kind of clocking me. All right. I can throw back. But then you have some practice partners like, um, like Barboza or even Marlon Moraes. him and I went the slowest, most technical sparring run I've ever had where we're, we're hitting each other, but we're maybe throwing 30, 40%. But some of the times you still land clean and you're just like, Oh, that would have sucked. All right, cool. And then you just keep on moving. But when you go with a guy like TJ or even even like Pedro Munoz and I have I've scrapped a couple times. We're like, yeah, we're gonna spar nice and light. And then we're just like here. And then you know, we somebody lands clean and then the eagles start to come into play. And then I don't know, we're just like linickering this whole fight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it it depends on who you're going with. But I mean, I've seen I've seen some brutal sparring matches. I've seen some I'm like Joanna, Joanna is one of those people that again, she hates losing. But she wants to make the the sparring matches as competitive as possible. And so there'll be times where, you know, some of the bigger guys will go out there and kind of move, but they'll go light. And then she'll just start swearing at him. And you're just like, whoa, whoa. Like, you want to relax? She's like, you punch like a whatever. And you're just like, uh, dude, just just soccer. Just hit her as hard as possible and see how she reacts. And, dude, she she fires back. She gets hit clean. I don't know. She's hitting you with like a 10-piece combo. (laughs) She's a savage, man. She's no, such she, a she, fucking savage. She, for for a woman, she talks the most smack to all the men. Like I can, can I, love I, it. Can I, can I swear on the show? I don't know if I can swear. Yes, on this. please do it. She's like you punch like a fucking bitch, and you're just like what? I thought I did a McGregor accent, but I was just like holy crap! Like dude, gut gut shot her, and then out of nowhere, like somebody will gut shot her, and she just comes back even harder. And you're like, 
all right, cool. She's backing up the words, you know, she's not just talking smack and then doing whatever, but I've seen, I've seen guys spar with uh, Lineker talking smack and hitting like ah, nothing doing the, like the Philly shuffle or, you know, the garden old stuff. And then I don't know drop by body shot. And you're just like, ah, that's why you shouldn't talk smack. So <laughs> it gets, it gets pretty crazy. I've seen, I've seen people get knocked out. I've seen people doing some really, really dumb stuff. And then I've seen some very, very slow, but technical sparring. Did you ever train with, did you ever train with Hector Lombard? Um, <laughs> Oh, so I remember... <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard many legends about <laughs> him and the yeah. sparring. By the time I got here, he was already gone. But <laughs> at rumor has it, he's broken like two jaws during sparring. You know? And then he ended up leaving... Or I, I don't know if he got kicked out of ATT or left ATT again. I don't know. I wasn't here. And he opened up a, a small little training facility uh, down the block. So he was working with... Um, Another Valerie that was in the UFC now in Bellator. Uh, yeah, so um, they were working together, and he wanted to show moves on me because I was helping her. I was being her practice partner. And, dude, he was just manhandling me. But he's like, yeah, you do the move like this, and you do that. I'm just like, you know you're like 10 weight classes above me, and you're just jacked. You know, like he – that guy – and he gets – he gets he has a temper. He gets angry very, very fast. But – uh no, I've never sparred with him. I never want to spar with him. He scares the hell out of me, but he is one of the nicest guys in the world, but definitely scares the hell out of me. Well, uh, we were at, uh, what was that jujitsu thing we went to in December? Case Oh, Quintet. Uh, I don't know if you watched that, but he was part of, I think, was it the Pride team? And it was like elimination style. So like the first matchup was like UFC versus Pride and Sugar Sean tapped Gomi. So then... Gomi leaves and then like Hector Lombard just like walks out to face Sugar Sean, who's like a 145er. And then Lombard just throws him down and like heel hooks him in about 30 seconds. It was pretty unbelievable. It's a massive man. Dude, he gives he gives zero fucks. He's like, oh, we're competing. All right, cool. He just starts going like his ego, at least with training. I think that's why he's broken multiple jaws here. It's just it's through the roof. We also saw him in line for Starbucks and he's. I've never seen a bigger contrast in a group of individuals in my entire life than Hector Lombard, who was getting ready for a jiu-jitsu tournament in a line for Starbucks at like the Red Rocks, which is like a resort and spa. So and then Casey goes, oh, it's Hector Lombard. I go, where? He goes, oh, it's don't you see the giant ass over there? <laughs> Standing in line. <laughs> like literally his ass, like literally his ass. Hector Lombard does have the best ass in MMA. I'm just, I mean. So, oh, so- that's it. Someone, I'm gonna go for my second. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, you're 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 a close sec, third, fourth. <laughs> I'm 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 a number. I'll yeah. take that. <laughs> I'm a number, he says. We haven't even got to any fan questions. We've been talking about Spark for about 15 minutes. So Casey, as usual, I'm sure we have a million questions for Shorty. I'm sure he saw most of them on Twitter. Yeah. Do um, we have for our, our viewers out there? Um yes, we've had a few um base people saying my volume is low, so hopefully it's fixed. So Leave nice Uh-oh. comments if my volume is okay, or maybe I should turn my volume off. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that will make everyone happy. <laughs> First question. First question from K Doc MMA. Question for Shorty: How often would he train strictly BJJ, and what are his go-to positions to play half guard, X guard, etc.? Hashtag the A side. So you're talking about sparring. K Doc wants to know how often you strictly train BJJ, and what are your top positions? Um, I strictly train at least twice a week on it. I wish I would do it more, but I've been working with Dean Thomas a lot more on MMA jiu-jitsu, uh, throwing combinations, takedowns, two specific round and pound and changing the position and making the opponent pretty much move and put himself in a submission instead of trying to play BJJ versus BJJ. You know, if I go with Alejandro Pantoja or, or, uh, Adrian Amoraz or some of those black belts here, if it's just BJJ, they're going to just they're going to tear me apart. But now I can start throwing punches. I mix it up. So when it comes to straight BJJ, for sure, once a week, but if not minimum two times a week. But it's, uh, it is it is a little difficult for me. I prefer uh, – I'm more judo-based. So for me, it's uh, – my three styles are boxing, Muay Thai, judo. So I like the box. People don't like the, the fire. I get to do the Muay Thai clinch. They don't like that too. I get to set up. Beautiful throw, and I usually land in side mount. Side mount is 100% my go-to thing. If I can land in side mount, I'm going to stay there, and I'm going to beat you up. But if I'm landing in half guard or guard, I'm more than likely trying to get back up because these T-Rex arms, I'm not the best at getting out of guard. So, Who is uh, 
uh, I, don't, I don't know how to phrase this. Uh, who has been like when I, I interviewed Frank Mir once and I was talking about like sparring or training BJJ rolling. <laughs> and he was like, it's pretty unbelievable. Like when he he rolled with Damian Maya once and he was just like, I couldn't do anything. And he was about 130 pounds lighter than me. Uh, who is he? I, who, who makes you drown the most when you roll with them? I'll say. Um, all right. So the, the funny, most, I guess, embarrassing sparring story for me, at least, was uh, I didn't know who um, like Hani Yaya was. I didn't know Ooh, anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know anything about him. Like, <clears throat> seriously, some Brazilian came in and he looks a little older. And he comes in and I was like, whose dad is this? Like, who's am I just kind of helping some some dude spar? Sure, I'll move with him. And we're with big gloves. We're doing MMA sparring. And we're sparring. I know he nearly shoots for a takedown. I'm like, all right, cool. Okay, this guy's, you know, got the grown man strength. He takes me down, and I'm a scrambler. So I kind of wait for you to try to throw a submission, and I'll get out. I've never been stuck in a position knowing what's going to happen, and just it happened. Like, I didn't let it happen, but it's one of those things where you're just like, all right, cool. I know the arm's coming up. I know what I'm going to do, and I don't know where I'm just, like, losing air. I'm just like, okay, cool. All right, tap, tap. And then we get back up. I'm like, all right, you got one? Cool, man. I got you. Then I start going at it again. He takes me down again. In 10 minutes, he tapped me out with big gloves. He tapped me out seven times. Whoa. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And I'm like, and again, I, I really do have high-level defense and scrambling. So I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And I was just, <laughs> dude, I was livid. And I, I, we have a sauna here. So I'm just like, whatever, man, you know, sparring's over. I take off my stuff. I'm all moody. I go in the sauna and legit, I just wanted to cry. I, I'm in the sauna just about to tear up. And then Hani fucking walks in and he's like, oh, brother, good job. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you too. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, like, I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> and so, so he leaves, he leaves first and the Formiga walks in and I'm just super grumpy all just, I don't want to talk to anybody. And Formiga's like, shorty, what's, what's wrong? And I was like, Man, honey, he's just he beat the shit out of me today. He tapped me out like seven times. He goes, he goes, Shorty, how about this? How about this? Your jujitsu here. My jujitsu here. Honey's here. It's okay. It's okay. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know what? I feel a little better. Then I looked up how many world championships he's won in jujitsu. Yeah, I was like, honestly. all right, I feel a little better. And then I kept rolling with him. And now it's hard. Like he still taps me out, but it's much harder for him to tap me out now. So I'm like, okay, cool. As long as there's some progression. Awesome, but dude, he like overemphasizing him the fuck. He fucked me up. Do you so ever see sad. the video of um, Ben Askren and Marcel Garcia rolling? It's unbelievable. No. It's it's unbelievable. It really is. Um, because Askren's like obviously an incredibly decorated wrestler, but he he's he's rolling like this is a jiu-jitsu round, but unbelievable, man. Marcel Garcia, this tiny little dude. Is like Yoda or something. It's just, it's one of the best clips I've ever watched. Just in terms of uh, highlighting the the power of elite elite jujitsu. It's it's unbelievable. I'd recommend. It's all on. It's on YouTube. You should check it out. It's unbelievable. Like it's honestly like open your mouth. Like what the f- is going on here? Unbelievable stuff. Well, it's it's crazy because he he was telling me he goes stand up wise I get exhausted like that. But he goes on the ground I can I can roll around for hours. For some reason, he just never gets exhausted. And so when we were going with him, I was like, all right, cool. He's going to tire out. And it just, it just seemed like he just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And it was, it was a very, very horrible moment for me. So if his level of BJJ is a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at? If, if that were the case compared to him, I'm like a 4 and Formiga's a 7. You know, Jesus. like it, that, that's just, that's just, and I really do like, I can, I'm not, I'm not the big tap out artist, but I, I can definitely scramble, get out and especially for MMA ground the pound, which that was MMA sparring. Dude, he wrecked me. He wrecked me technically at my own game. And he, it was, it, it, it was literally the moniker of like black belt versus blue belt. <laughs> you know, it just, it was bad. And I, I, I've rolled in competitions where I rolled as a brown belt and I've, I've tapped out some black belt, but this guy was just, a whole different level of black belt. He just had a draw, right? Was that his last yeah, fight uh, in Brasilia? Enrique Barzola, which is That's funny because right. Enrique was here and he was like my my next door neighbor roommate type of thing. And him and I used to share, uh, like he would cook food and he would make um, uh, ceviche, Peruvian ceviche, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I love I love Mexican ceviche. Peruvian ceviche is just that much better. Sorry, guys. But, dude, it, it was so much better. It, it's so much better. Um, but... I was like, oh, hey, um, honey, like I'm having the Peruvians coming over. This is when Enrique's already gone. 
I was like, you want some uh, Peruvian ceviche? He goes, Peruvian? No, nah, nothing Peruvian. You say Brazil. Brazil, Brazil. He's like, oh, you team Brazil, you team Peru. I was like, oh, damn, I'm going to go to my room and hide. Like, so it, it got it got real tense during, uh, during fight week. It sounds like you get picked on down there in ATT. Oh, uh, dude, I get bullied so much. That's why I miss Curtis, because I get to bully him. We <laughs> <laughs> oh, how that God. works, right? And then, and then he looks like my enforcer next to me, so I never get bullied. Casey, are you still yeah, there? He's a big dude. Did we figure no, out? No, he's turning off his volume. Remember? Oh, right, right, right. His volume. Casey, do we have another question for Shorty? I'm sure. Casey, I'm sure Casey's like, I have so many questions to ask Shorty right now, but he can't. Someone ask him. Yeah. Because <laughs> whenever we talk about sparring and stuff, Casey gets all excited. Seriously, uh, from Gerardo on Twitter at JC Dulos One. Seriously, why do people think Connor has a chance against Mosvidal? Did they not see what he did to Till, sending him to the shadow realm? Hashtag the A side. So, PT, I'll start with you since this is, of course, a question about a little Irish fighter named Connor McGregor. Why do people think Connor McGregor has a chance against Jorge Mosvidal? Uh, says Gerardo on Twitter. <clears throat> I guess because it's a fight that's taking place within his wheelhouse, right? Like, I mean, we know what Masvidal is going to do. We know what Connor is going to do. And, um, you know, people who are fans of Connor think like is he's the most powerful fighter who has ever lived. You know what I mean? So, I mean, if he has a chance to land his left hand, they think that he, he has a chance to win that fight. So I guess that's why people think it's a it's a good fight for Connor. Um, whether it is or not, it's hard, it's hard to know, especially at welterweight where Masvidal's an absolute beast. And um, like, I mean, even the Diaz fight, I mean, I know people debate what, what, what could have happened, but what did happen was pretty fucking crazy. You know, it was pretty astonishing. I thought he was banging Nate Diaz around the octagon. Um, really unbelievable stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I think you could pretty much match Connor with Brock Lesnar right now and people would be like, he's going to win the fight. You know what I mean? That's just the, that's just the way his fans are. They're they're ravenous and they're they're very very passionate. Um, I think I'd have to favor Masvidal if that fight uh, went down. Shorty, ATT guy, uh, in this question, uh, why do people right. think Connor have Connor has a chance against your teammate Jorge Masvidal? Technically, everyone has a fighting chance, especially in the first round. Technically, if I were to fight Masvidal, watch you come up here and just slap him in the face. I technically have a fighting chance in the first round against Masvidal, but. Here, here's the thing, and we have to look at it's just two different weight classes. Like, Connor is technically a lightweight. Yeah, he's made featherweight before, but his home is at lightweight. Him bumping up to 170 was him fighting two lightweights. I don't know if he fought Cerrone at 170, but I know the yeah, Diaz yeah. fight was at 170. So he fought two small guys around his weight class and just they didn't want to cut weight, so they decided to bump up. Masvidal, on the other hand, has to go down. He is a big guy who technically cuts to make 170. So the power is definitely different, but Connor has, has an amazing left hand, and he's very strategic with his punches. But the problem is, after the first round, I think Masvidal's size and power, if he lasts, which I believe will be very easy for him, he's just going to dominate that fight. And we saw against the Diaz, uh, that Diaz fight, Masvidal is no joke, man. He can put it on people. I think people underestimate Masvidal's gas tank. A lot of people talk about yeah. his power, but I was talking to him off camera uh, at UFC 244 at uh, Media Day, and he was just talking about triathlons and uh, like these long endurance things that he's done. And I'm just like, see, everyone's talking about your like your knees and your elbows and your boxing, but I mean, you could just drag someone to the fourth and fifth round and just beat the soul out of him too. That's why this argument that Nate who's probably yes. gonna come back and win round four and five. I'm like, that's like Masvidal's gas tank is way up there too. So. And I'm sorry, Pizzi, but your countryman's gas tank is not the greatest uh, inside. How the dare island. you? How dare you? <laughs> Doing this to me on live goddamn streams. Respect Ireland. Um, but no, I, I, look, I'll tell you one thing. If they made that fight, it would be absolutely the, enormous. That's like, one of we the biggest fights they can make right now. Six. We were like, this is, this is a, a monumental occasion if these two meet right now. Masvidal's got all the juice coming off, um, you know, these amazing knockouts he's put together. I think it's an unbelievable fight. I think the two personalities go brilliantly together. And um, I think it would be one that the, the fan base would absolutely lap up. I can remember at the post-fight press conference after the Cerrone fight, Dana was talking about Connor and Habib. And 
and Masvidal and Usman and me and you were looking at each other how's I going man they should just make Masvidal and McGregor right now um, and I, and I, look, I don't think I don't think like the a lot of people ran with the article about the, the um, Dana White um, saying you know it's something that could could happen like I, I feel like it's still a long, long, long way away from happening. To be honest, like I'd love, I'd love it to happen, but that just in me, my own gut, I just don't feel like it's, it's gonna be next for either of them. I mean, that whole fight week was like Masvidal launched his recuerdo, his mescal, and then me and you interviewed him, and he was like, "What if it was like a stake in proper twelve versus a stake in recuerdo?" He's like. Fuck it, let's do it. Like Masvidal was saying all the right things. I don't like how he wore that robe to the fights because it was the exact same robe Connor wore to like I think it was like like when he was getting his hands wrapped before the Mayweather fight. The open like, workout for the Mayweather yeah. fight. Yeah. And then even Connor was like, "Why did he do that? Like I don't understand what he. I don't get it." And then everyone in the room was like, "I don't get it either." It was just what he was wearing. So even. If he had just destroyed Nate in New York, I bet that fight would happen. But Connor's like, there's too many questions for that after that BMF tell. But I want it. I like that fight. Uh, but I agree with Pete. He's probably a long ways away. Shorty, have you tried Recuerdo yet? I have not. Uh, uh, Mazarol has not come in and given free samples yet. So I'm just waiting on that. And then from there, well, we'll go upon that. It is cool. Even we got free samples. I'm waiting. Oh, that's messed up. I haven't. I haven't tried. <laughs> what's what's Connor's the proper, proper 12. twelve? I haven't tried that. I haven't tried Mazarol's. I've been drinking his monster, and I'm still waiting for Hans to you know give me that call. You know whatever. I saw you. I saw you tag him in your Instagram story. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I've tried so hard. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's blocked me. I'm pretty sure he's blocked me. <laughs> well, as someone who's tried proper twelve and uh, Recuerdo, I personally like Recuerdo a lot better than the proper twelve. Uh, though had I had about me and Pizza when we interviewed Jorge, we walked into the Recuerdo launch and we ran into Abe Kawai's manager and he's like, "If you want to interview me, if you want to interview him, you have to try this. Try this, so you could talk about it." And we were like, "All right." So we did like one shot and then we're waiting in line and we interview Jorge and then Jorge walks up and taps me on the shoulder. He goes, "You gotta drink this right now." I'm like, "I just had one." He goes, "Drink it." So we both took another one. And then on camera, he's like, here are two more. And so we had about three shots of his drink in about 15 minutes, and there was no food there. And there were just yeah. boiling hot lights on us everywhere. And I was like, this, is, this interview is not going to be great. But 10 out of 10 interview, I think. So, uh, Steve-O crashed it, too. It felt like a fever dream. Like, Steve-O just walked yeah. in in our interview, too. It was quite the scene. It was quite the scene. It was. The only, the only thing that... I've seen be crashed here is my brother decided to drive my car all the way down from Chicago to Florida, which is amazing. And then comes in and I go, Hey man, number one rule is put your phone away. Don't take any photos of anybody. If you want a photo with somebody, come to me first and I'll ask them politely. My brother ignored everything. Started to film everyone, even while they were sparring, and then oh, walked no. on the mat. Dude, he walked on the mat <laughs> while Dustin Poirier and Masvidal were sparring. And right when oh, they finished the second round in their minute break, he walked up in between them and took a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> Your brother only, sounds like a legend. Dude, he, it, it, the, the worst thing about it is that it all worked out perfect for him. That like somehow when he walked like usually somebody walks up to him like dude I'm I'm sparring like leave me alone give me you know my my break and then I'll I'll come take a picture with you he walked up to them I'm thinking they're gonna punch him or somewhere push him off the mat or yell at him he walked up to them both of them were like this posing and I was like oh god you're not helping me man I'm trying to get him to follow the rules you guys are just antagonizing him more I can hear Casey's blood boiling like through the speakers right now probably like as someone who he's probably like like cringing right now. I'm gonna look for this photo now. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. To I see like, it. I'm like all tensed up listening to that. Like, I remember when we had uh, when Danny Segura worked there, and he went down to ATT. He was telling me all the rules and stuff. Uh, and just hearing walking on the mats like stresses me out too. Like dude, when I see dude, that, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you guys can see it. Oh my yeah. god, that's amazing! <laughs> <laughs> he just walked up to them. I was like. Dude, oh, I can't leave you alone in this building by yourself. <laughs> like, <laughs> shout oh, out Mission oh, D Tech on Instagram. Oh. oh god. Oh my god, Casey, do you have any other any more questions? Well, we have a million questions. What's our next question? Thank you, Gerardo, for the question. Oh, boop, boop, boop. 
from user YouTube user Oliver Ursell. What happens post UFC 249 to the 135-pound division? Talks are that Sterling and Sanhagen is being discussed for June 6th. Jan Marais the week after. What happens if Cruz wins? So, Shorty, I'll ask you. I'll start with you because it's around your weight class. Also, Henry Cejudo was the champion of your weight class before he relinquished the title. Uh, what do you – first of all – before we answer this man's question, what do you think of the fight between Cejudo and Dominic Cruz, uh, the former Bantamweight champion coming off three-year layoff, um, getting the immediate title shot right away? I think it is a fan-entertaining fight, and I think it's actually a more competitive fight than what a lot of people expect. Dominic Cruz is a phenomenally smart man. You hear him one commentating, you hear how he just breaks down fights and, and strategizes what's going to happen next. His loss against... Um, Cody Garbrandt was Cody got into his head and he decided to completely divert from his game plan and just attack, 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 which Cruz is not an attacker. The benefit for him is Suhudo is Suhudo's now become this aggressive fighter. He's not just the wrestler anymore. And Suhudo's gotten so much better from being knocked out in the first round by DJ to lasting all five rounds and winning the uh, controversial split decision, knocking out TJ and, and being Marlon Morris, which that one, that's the fight that got my respect because I'm not a huge fan of Cejudo, but man, after that fight, you have, you have to respect him as a person, as a fighter and, and just his performance in general. Not the king of cringe, but Henry Cejudo. And, um, I think it's a lot closer of a fight. I still give the edge to Cejudo, but I would love Dominic Cruz to win. Just legacy-wise, I think it's a great thing for him. Um, we'll see what happens, but if, if Cejudo loses, what's, what's going to happen next? Does he get an immediate rematch? Does he have to fight one of the up-and-comers? Or does he decide to go, you know what, I will cut the weight. I'm going to go back down the flyway and try to keep the division alive. I think it will 100% depend on how the fight plays out. If it's razor thin, I bet they do the rematch. But if Cruz just goes out there and 50-45s him, like Cruz is known to do to many of an opponent, I doubt they could give him a rematch. But who knows? Henry Cejudo is obviously one of the more talked about fighters uh, of this division. Uh, what do you make of this fight, Pizzi, uh, between Cejudo and Dominic Cruz? Yeah, it's very interesting. There's no doubt about it. But what happens if Cruz wins? I'd say Jose Aldo gets very pissed off. Um, because Henry Cejudo is uh, constantly putting his name in the mix, um, Volkanovski, all of that stuff. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I think I think Cruz can win. Um, I just feel as though the performance against Dillashaw when he came off the shelf and and he won the split decision. That's nearly like a once in a lifetime storybook moment, right? Yeah. Like I, I think he's an amazing fighter. I think he's the, the greatest one thirty five who ever lived. But I think that that against TJ. Um, I think that's the storybook situation there for Cruz. If he can do it again, it, it's wild. I'm not completely ruining him out by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's just it's just a big ask. I feel. Um, but what an amazing story it would be. Like, like Shorty, I wanted to ask you, like, how much will height pay, play a part here? Could that be a big advantage for Dominic here? Is like, I mean, I feel like he has a, a lot of height over over Henry Zudo and one of his training partners, Brendan Lochnane said he feels as though it's going to be a big thing in the fight uh, because of the way Dominic fights. Yeah, and the, the length, when he's defensive, when he's playing his game, he's extremely hard to hit. The only problem is, can you take him down? Yes, but that length also plays a game. It plays a factor. That's why it's extremely hard to take down John Jones. That's why it's extremely hard to do certain things against John Jones because he's just at a different height limit against everyone else. I hope Cruz will shock the world. I really, that's that's my ultimate goal, and, and that's something I want to watch. But Cejudo, what, what I see this fight, or how I see this fight playing out, it's going to be a wrestling match. I don't think Cejudo is going to be able to, to tag him as much as he wants. Cejudo's become this phenomenal boxer on the inside. I mean, we saw this fight against Marlon Moraes. He was finally doing some work. The only problem is Amazing. every single fighter that Cejudo's fought has been around his height, if not an inch or two different. Dominic Cruz, I don't know the the height difference, but the length is substantial. You know, so being able to work that inside game against Cruz, Cruz doesn't stand still. You're not going to be able to hit him in the face cleanly. Can you hit him in the face? Sure, but I, I honestly think if Cejudo does win this fight, it's going to be possibly a uh, you know unanimous decision kind of how Cejudo beat Sergio Pettis, where he's just you know what I don't want to 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 fight the stand up game. Let me just take you down, hold you down, and and win a fight. And I would like to point out two fighters with ties to Arizona. Shout out to Arizona. And uh, even in the main event, Justin Gaethje from Arizona. So three of the four title fights 
ties to Arizona. Uh, Shorty, I want to ask you this. What would be harder, come, taking three-year layoff and coming back against TJ Dillashaw or taking three-year layoff and coming back against Henry Cejudo? Coming back against Henry Cejudo. And the, the reason why I say that is because TJ Dillashaw is going to stand and bang with you. And yeah, he's going to mix it up. But naturally, I think he is a smaller guy, a smaller build than Henry Cejudo. I think the hardest thing to build conditioning-wise on, especially if you have that ring rust, that, that huge layoff, is a ground game. If I want to stand in and trade with somebody, at least there's a 50-50 chance. But getting taken down, especially against an Olympic gold medalist who's going to be able to hold you down, he's held some of the best down. I just – that is easily the hardest thing. So coming back to fight TJ, there's a fighting chance. Those styles are very similar. Now it's, it's literally polar opposite where one guy definitely wants to take this fight down to the ground. If I was fighting – Dominic Cruz, my goal would be to take him down because I don't want to mess with the length, nor I don't want to waste my energy trying to hit him and attack him. Well, I can tell you one fight I want to see. If Dominic Cruz wins, Jose Aldo versus Dominic Cruz, I've wanted since the WEC days. Like, I've wanted, I keep talking about Cruz versus Frankie Edgar, but once Dominic Cruz got this title fight, I started to think, like, God damn it. Like, I've interviewed when Dominic Cruz fought, no, when Jose Aldo fought Connor. They did like this, a bunch of like a media day for a bunch of fighters, not on that fight on that weekend, but had fights coming up. And this was before Cruz fought Dillashaw. So this was a month before in December. And I asked him how he felt about a WEC champ, former WEC champion headlining like the biggest card in UFC history. And he talked about Jose Aldo for about 20 minutes. And I asked him one question. So you just, you know, Cruz has so much respect for Aldo that it would be so interesting to watch that I, I want to watch that fight very badly. I like the Frank yeah, Cruz fight. Who do you think would win that fight? Oh man, I don't know. I mean, Cruz has looked pretty unbeatable at 135 outside of that Cody Garbrandt fight, but it's not like he got destroyed. And I think Aldo beat Marlon Moraes. That's hard for me. That's super, super harsh. I want to see how Cruz looks against Zahudo first. We're, ma- we're making this hypothetical, this matchup, and the fight hasn't even happened against Zahudo. I hate doing I- that, but. I would go with Aldo. It's, Aldo, those late kicks good are, would definitely change the game. It's good to see so much movement at 135 now, now that we have a few fights announced like Marais and Jan. And I'm talking about Aljo and Sandhagen as well, right? Yeah. Like that that for me is a great little tournament. You know what I mean? Like that's a that's a brilliant couple of fights there, I think. Yeah, we had Brian Kelleher on, and we basically fantasy matchmake a, Bell, uh, a Bellator, Bellator, Bantamweight Grand Prix. Uh, so... Let's make it happen, UFC. But Casey, next question. Oh, I'm not sure I'm still having audio oh, he's issues, back. but you guys can hear me. But a little sneak preview. We have a Ryan Hall interview coming out on Thursday. Right. And in that Ryan Hall interview, do you know who Ryan Hall's what bit of his dream matchup is? Jose What's... Aldo. I was like, damn, I... Ryan Hall, Jose Aldo. I'm with Boys and Aldo against that Did you pass week? out from pure ecstasy, Casey? Yeah, I woke up like five minutes before we started the broadcast. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who couldn't hear Casey, he said we had an interview with Ryan Hall, and Ryan Hall says he wants to fight Jose Aldo too. Sign me up for Ryan Hall v. anyone, and I'm down to watch it. From Trumbo on the site, which fight of the night, UFC 249, which fight is sleeper contender for fight of the night, uh, not Tony versus Justin? Uh, I'm so excited for these fights. So, Shorty, I'll start with you. What is your sleeper pick for fight of the night? As I feel like everyone is pulling up this card right now. Yeah, I got yeah. it. Is it, on, is it on UFC's page? It should be on Wikipedia. Uh, I personally like uh, Charles Rosa, Bryce Mitchell. I think that's a pretty uh, under-the-radar fight that people aren't talking about. Is Charles Rosa still down at ATT? Yeah, yeah, he's still down here, and he, him and I have been talking about it a lot, and that's something he's very, very excited about because it is a, a very good stylistic matchup, and he's he's fighting a kid who's going to try to feed off of uh, his name, and it's vice versa. So I think it's it's he's trying to break down this hype train. It's got to so be Nico Price and Vincente Luque. That's what I was. That's a I assume everyone was going to say. All right, let's. Oh, see. do you already say that shit? Okay, hang on. I think everyone that that's the one everyone's going to say. It's like Nico Price is just. A bundle of energy. I tell you uh, what, it's not. I don't know if it's going to be a great fight, but I fancy. Um, I'm really fancying Jorgen De Castro to pull off a big upset here. They would it be an? Upset? I don't know if it's an upset. I don't know I don't if it's, it's an, upset, an upset. But, but, I feel like with the casual audience watching on, they expect something to happen here in these Greg Hardy fights. Um, 
because, you know, a lot of people feel he's been getting softballs. And I think Jorgen DeCastro, after we saw what he did in Melbourne, holy shit, man. I'm I'm excited to see the rematch versus Cerrone and Pettis. Yeah. You know, that's that's something that's really, really big. And, you know, Cerrone's like, dude, he landed a body shot and it just it shut me down. There's nothing I could do about it. But I think Cerrone's grown so much from that fight. And Pettis, I believe, is has become a a different athlete since that day. I don't know if Pettis is still in his heyday because he has some amazing performances still, but then he has been shut out in some, you know, some fights. You know, so Cerrone style has improved a lot. I, I'm I'm giving the slight edge of Cerrone on this one, but you never know. Talking about jujitsu, Alexi Olenek versus Fabricio Verdum. That's a if you just imagine like, if Ezekiel's wear doom. Holy if, God, my God. Yeah, awesome. I mean, I think it's impossible, but I mean, the way that guy latches onto jokes, he's just standing in front of you, like, and you're watching him do it, and you're like, what, what's going on? Dude, <laughs> come on, Ezekiel. mount me. I don't care. Just, just go ahead, mount me. Go to. Or not even, not even mount. Like, I remember who did, uh, was it Albini that he like got it to him standing, and then just like felt he pulled guard. He locks it in in the clinch, and then just pulls guard to his back and chokes him out that way. So didn't even. That's the weirdest one, one right? That. that was the that, weird that's one. The weirdest one. But oh my God. I am. I forgot this fight was on the card. But Jeremy Stevens v. Calvin Cater. Oh yeah, that fight absolutely rules. The uh, someone tweeted. I can't remember who it was, but it was like uh, Calvin Cater versus like Shane Burgos in UFC 220. Like that fight happened too soon. Like they were still like prospects and they fought. Now that fight is like their their like their their careers were parallel and they fought on like it was before the fight. It was before DC versus um Vulcan in Boston and like everyone was talking about how that card was so top heavy I'm like Calvin Cater or Shane Burgos is on that card this fight is not top heavy and then I quickly realized that that fight happened too soon like if that, it would have I, I wish that fight ha- that has to that fight has to be run back again and apparently Jeremy Stevens like pulled like I want we have another interview with Calvin Cater coming out and Calvin told the story how Jeremy Stevens like found him at a UFC event pulled him aside and then brought Sean Shelby into the meeting and was like, we're fighting. Like that's how that fight was made. It was Jeremy Stevens meeting up with Calvin Cater in a UFC event asking Sean Shelby. There's a few I nice uh, styles matchups, isn't there? Like, I mean, there's a Spars and Watterson and mm-hmm. uh, there's Jack Array and Uriah Hall. Like they're yeah. always uh, worth the watch. You know, I, I love these, uh, the styles flash. I think they always kind of result in a, an exciting fight. Anyway. too. That's a th- like, that was supposed to be a five round fight. I'd, I I I I am hesitant to say that won't go all three rounds because I said that a million times. <laughs> it of course has happened, but uh, I can't imagine that fight goes overly long. But anyway, Casey, next question. I see you trying to tee up another one. Mm-hmm. From Joseph Boza on the site, Dana was on Barstool Sports the other day. He's saying now that they may strip Stipe because Stipe is playing games. What are your thoughts? On the latest Dana v. Stipe mess. This, That's okay, a disaster. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Imagine a world, and I don't even have to imagine. This is very well happened. Imagine a world where Dana White strips a, not just a heavyweight champion in the world, but a first responder during the coronavirus pandemic. Like, Stipe is out there, like, actually he is an essential – like he has an essential – not just an essential job. He is a first responder going to help people. Uh, his state, uh, Ohio, is in lockdown. He cannot go to his gym. He cannot physically go to his gym to train. So what is he doing instead? He's a firefighter and a first responder amid a pandemic. And Dana White might strip him of a heavyweight championship because he says, I'll probably won't fight till fall or winter. Imagine a world where that is a good idea. Just imagine, Shorty. I could talk excuses. about excuses. <laughs> <laughs> He's punking out. out. He's like, you know what? I don't want to defend this belt. I'll take more hours. Let's, let me take more hours. You know, it's it's no, and that's that's the crazy thing that people don't look at. They don't look at behind the scenes stuff. That's why there's always so much smack talk, but no one knows the facts behind it. He is a first responder. The guy is technically saving lives. He is busy being an essential worker, especially during this crazy time. These fights, in my opinion, shouldn't be happening, but they are. And if you're going to you know, get mad at a person for helping the community and helping his people, then 
than than shame on you. I don't think that's that's the best thing you should be saying. But hey, you know, so be it. Fans want to say what they want to say. The internet's always somehow going to win. But I believe it would be complete disrespect and dishonorable for uh, for Stipe to be stripped of his belt because he's busy at the moment. PC, your thoughts on this tomfoolery? Ah, oh, terrific. I mean, it's just the worst look ever if they try and do this. Like, I mean, Jesus Christ. And we've been through a few worst look ever's over the last month or so. <laughs> so I think it's time to just just leave it alone. You know what I mean? Like, putting that guy under unnecessary stress in this situation where he's out saving lives. I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, I think it's an awful look. Absolutely disgraceful. Thank you for the question, Joseph Bosa, and for getting my blood boiling. Like, what, what are they supposed to do? Like save someone from a fire and then pull them on? Be like, hey, I'm getting ready for this fight. Can we spar really quick before you step in the ambulance? <laughs> Just Is that okay? Sparring COVID, COVID. Just victim. real quick, real quick. <laughs> He's also, like spotting them ten times before he takes <laughs> yeah. them out of the house. Yeah. Stipe also in that interview. View on, body shots into them. <laughs> that interview Stipe did on on ESPN though, like. 10 out of 10 backdrop. It was like he was like in a library with like glasses, perfectly coiffed hair. 10 out of 10 backdrop, Stipe. Looks more like a like a professor than a UFC heavyweight champion of the world. From at the seaside, glad to have Pizzi back and especially want to hear which fight to, he predicts will be the most, <laughs> have the most social distancing. Hashtag the A-side. So PC, which fight do you think will have the most social distancing on this card? I assume he means which fight is this going to be a lot of circling? Uh, Dominic Cruz, man, the king, the king of movement. Uh, but if I was fighting Jairzinho or Francis Ngannou, I would be as far away from either of those guys as I possibly could be. Um, yeah, so I'm going Dominic Cruz for the social distancing champ of UFC 249. Shorty, which fight you think has the most social distancing? On I'm UFC looking at it right now. That's that's yeah, no, that's a very very smart answer. Dominic Cruz is literally going to pepper you with punches and then get the hell out of there. Unless he gets taken down, so Hudo, king of the cringe, he's going to do completely the opposite of what the government tells him to do. He's going to smother him to death. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, yeah, no, Dominic Cruz is easily the best answer. He does not want to play, nor does he want to get sick. I think it's going to be Ryan Spann, Sam Alvey. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be like one of those boring fights, but I think I've seen a lot of Sam Alvey fights where it's like two and a half rounds of just like, of him doing this, looking like he wants to punch, and him just like this kind of looking at each other, and then he just lands <laughs> one punch, and like he either gets knocked out or his opponent gets knocked out. So I think it's going to be Sam Alvey Ryan's spawn. Uh, Casey, do you want to add anything? Up, yeah. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, nah, you just popped <laughs> in to just give us a disapproving look. Dominic Cruz is going to fight with his mask on and so have it on by the time the fight's over. That's how much he's going to get out of the way. I think I think um, PT was right. If um, if Dominic wins, it will be a socially distanced fight in a good way. Not not, not yeah, it's really a, interesting. A negative thing. No, not at all. And so who's gonna walk in, just cough on his hands? <laughs> <laughs> From Sports Week MMA I saw on Twitter, I saw recently you said – I assume this is for Shorty. I saw, I saw recently you said that you felt like you were a replaceable body in the UFC, and a lot of that had to do with the way the UFC sees the flyweight division as a whole. What is the biggest example you can point to of how the UFC disrespected you personally or the division? So, Shorty, you can answer this whatever you want, but this is specifically for you. Uh, what's the big, biggest example you can point to of the UFC treating you as, quote, a replaceable body? Um, well, a replaceable body, you look at my resume for people who don't know. I was a two-time world champ, 25 and one as an amateur, 25 straight wins. I was 7-0 and in Titan FC, uh, five fights. I did what Conor McGregor did at 14-2. and I became a double weight class champ and defended one in the process. I defended both my belts a total of three times and entered the UFC at 7-0, and I believe on a 34-fight winning streak total in MMA. And they signed me on a UFC Ultimate Fighter contract. Um, they literally paid me the bare minimum uh, against Jared Brooks, and they go, hey, this was the ninth call, ninth or tenth call that they called me for a last-minute event. And they go, you either take this or we're not going to call for a while. And it's like, Whoa. Um, dude, I've been 
trying to fight for Dana White's look for a fight. I denied the Contender Series multiple times because I don't believe at the time that I needed a show like that, especially because of how brand new it was. It really wasn't building people as, as they are now. And I just wanted to be respected. If I was any other weight class, I would have been signed for definitely, uh, uh, I believe, a respectable amount of money, but also given a proper training camp. And I wanted to be the Justin Gage, if not the highlight of the flyweight division. And sadly, I took this last minute fight saying, screw it. I think I have to. Nine day notice, they gave me the ultimatum. If I take the fight and miss weight, I'm automatically cut. Doesn't matter what my contract says. Cool. Even though other people have missed weight. And I believe Mackenzie Dern missed weight by like seven or eight pounds. Nine. Uh, a couple. Yeah, excuse me. Nine pounds a few weeks before. And she was still in the UFC. So, you know, never mind my resume. And then, uh, I ended up winning the fight on an accidental TKO. And then it was on the Ariel Hawani show, talked about that. And then literally they go, cool, you're not going to fight until December. This was in July. I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to be fat. I'm going to enjoy myself and help all the bodies down here. Then they call me again last minute. They go, hey, you're fighting Alex Perez. What do you think about it in 20 days? I was like, um... No, man, I like, I don't mind fighting them, but I want a full training camp. I took one last minute fight for you. I did you the favor. Let me do this. They go, okay, cool. Well, if you don't have this fight, you're not going to fight until sometime next year. Next year does not mean January. And I'm like, huh, well, this is July, dude. That's, that's you know, six months pretty much. All right. And that's maybe six months. Okay, cool. Take the fight. And then same thing. California told me I'm not going to fight because of uh, um, I was red flagged because of a last minute weight cut. And then somehow the UFC still put me in to fight and was able to correct it. I thought immediately lost, so be it. And then they go, um, you're not being released by the UFC. Because uh, I did this YouTube video about speculating that uh, the UFC might be releasing some people in the flyweight division because DJ was being traded. They didn't like the promotion that I gave the UFC, and they, they released me because of it. So it's one of those things that they didn't care about my fighting. They literally used me as a body replacement. And then immediately right after that, started cutting people. Jared Brooks took two last-minute fights and cut him right after his contract was over. Justin Scoggins, a veteran in the UFC, immediately cut him and just started releasing people. So it wasn't just me that they cut. They cut a lot of people. And it's one of those things that, for me, it really made me look down in the UFCs because they're the NFL to me. They're the NBA. They are the, the premier league. But when you work so hard to achieve something like that and be a UFC fighter and then immediately get cut like that, not because of your performance, but because of what you say or because of your division, uh, that's extremely unfair. You know, so it's it, I, for me, I'm I am 100% expendable body. That's disgraceful. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that short, that late notice replacement fight against Jared Brooks in Utica, you were actually getting ready to fight for the 145 pound title, a tie-in, right? Yeah. Weren't you trying to go for a three, three champion, three division yeah. champ? So you were not only you were bulking up and then had to cut down to 125 on like nine days, right? Yeah, so it was funny. I fought Pedro Nobre, who was 18-2, and two, a UFC veteran. He only had one fight and got released, but a UFC vet. And uh, I was like, cool, I'm fighting Pedro Nobre. I just won the belt. Uh, he went the distance with Tim Elliott, which at the time went the distance with DJ. So I was like, this is going to be a great fight. I knocked the guy out in 86 seconds. He's never been finished his whole career. And then the UFC calls and they go, Dude, we love your performance, but we want to see you come back from adversity. I'm like, oh, what? You don't you don't <laughs> want exciting fighters who can knock someone out who's never been knocked down 86 seconds? Um, oh, okay. And then I was like, you know what? Let me bump up. Let me do something different. I bumped up, won the 35-pound belt with a broken hand and torn MCL in the first round. And they go, amazing job. Okay, cool. Like, am I going to fight? They're like, um, yeah, actually, you know what? Yeah, you will fight. I'm like, all right, I can't fight. This is... I think this was in probably like June. Uh, I was like, hey, I have a broken hand. I have a torn MCL. I'm not going to be able to compete or at least start training until September. Mick Maynard calls me in June. Hey, do you want to fight in two weeks? No, I don't want to fight in two weeks. I physically cannot fight. All right, cool. My bad. My bad. Hey, do you want to fight in two more weeks? It's like, no, I, I cannot fight. I physically am not cleared to fight. Oh, yeah, my bad. My bad. And then multiple contender series fights where it's like, I, I don't want to fight in the contender series. I deserve to be called up. No one's a two-weight class champ at the 25, 30-pound division in the entire world. And and no, okay, like, fuck me. All right, fuck me. And then there were just multiple instances where I was supposed to fight, and Dana White's looking for a fight. And um, that's where Eli Garcia, 
ended up fighting. Yeah. And he, he got the last minute notice because he was already so small and tiny that he made the weight no problem. I was supposed to fight on that card. I ended up getting injured, and that was a another nine-day notice that cut like 20 pounds. I was like, dude, give me give me some type of notice. All my nine, ten calls by the UFC were nine, ten-day notices. And, you know, for people who know me, I weighed like 155 naturally. Hell, I weighed 160 the other day, sparring Barboza, you know? So it's just one of those things that unless you give me a camp, I'm not going to be super, super strict in a diet to fight at 125. I might be in shape, but more of a, a round type of shape. So it's that's crazy. It's, 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 trust me, my my thoughts on everything that's happened is is very, you know, it, it's discouraging. You know, it sucks, but it's mainly because I got signed to a, a dying division. And even right now, everyone's like, "Oh, the flyweight division's back." No, it's not. There's still only 15 people in division, and all of them, all of them are ranked. That ma- that makes it completely unfair for myself. The guys fighting in one FC, the guys fighting in in other promotions that should be ranked higher, but because they are the UFC, the Premier League, they're they're automatically ranked top fifteen in the world. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, it's. Look, I, mean, I knew. It's, who, it's, I knew. It's, it's political. It's political. We we knew who Shardy was in Europe. Yeah, was on LFA. You know what I mean? Dude, we even knew about him in the OIMAF days. Was that yeah. OIMAF? Was that you? That, yeah. Like yeah. I mean. It's crazy. First ever two two time champ, and and it's and that was before they made the junior division, senior division. You know, I fought technically the senior division, so it was a little more notable. But man, it's it's it was tough. You know, I did stuff that that people have never achieved before, and well, I'm I'm still trying to do that now with Brave, trying to be a two belt champ. But things obviously haven't worked out in my favor when it comes <laughs> to fighting. But it's one of those things that you know it's hard when you work so hard for something and you literally have the resume to prove it. But they go, you know what? I like this guy better. I like his personality. He has more social media followers, so I'm going to hire him instead or give him more money instead of all this hard work that you've been able to accomplish. So that's that's the hard part that I have. Or even you look at, again, some of the fighters that were kept. Some people were coming off losses and still got to be you know, saved in division. But you look at Dustin Ortiz is probably the most notable. He was fighting Joseph Benavidez. It was a number two, three matchup. Whoever, if Dustin would have won, he would have got the title shot. And Benavidez was on that little like limbo where even if he won, it didn't matter. Uh, Joseph Benavidez won. Dustin got cut. Dude, he's he's a UFC veteran, and he was and that was an unbelievable fight. fight winning streak. Yeah, it was a it was unbelievable. It was exciting. You know, I think he was on a three fight winning streak, and he got released. And it's like, wow, they're really cutting people. But when you have Lewis Smoka losing four times in a row. And then doesn't get cut until his contract is finally up. Then he gets cut, and then like he's out for the UFC for so many months, takes a few fights in Hawaii, and then gets called to fight in in China at bantamweight. And then he's still in the UFC. You know, so it's one of those things that it's very very political of, of who you know. And then I wasn't that guy to be like, hey, I know I'm great at my job, but let me also kiss some ass. That's that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be great at my job and put on a show. Was Mick Maynard the one standing between you and Jared Brooks in the stare down in Utica? I believe so, yeah. Was that weird? Is that I, how you met him? It, it's technically that's how I met him. I met Dana at, uh, when I fought for the UFC uh, when, when Tahuto fought DJ yeah. for the second time. And that's when I met Dana. But it was just, it was weird because both of them, even, dude, Mick, it's crazy. I was down in Houston where Mick Maynard's from. I got his number. And he's like, hey, man, hit me up. We'll do some personal training. We'll have some fun. You know, he likes to work and, he, you know, he, he practices himself. I would text him almost like three times a week. Like, hey, man, let me know your schedule. And he would always duck me. I was like, you literally asked me for personal training and now you're ducking me. All right, cool. Fuck me. Fuck me. So it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, it is it is very, very different. But that's that's why I also don't respect this game too much where you have to go through a manager to talk to the higher ups. That's why I really do enjoy Brave where. I have everyone hire, you know, all the higher ups numbers that I can get problems resolved immediately through me and then have my manager, you know, come meet in the middle somewhere if I need the help. But it's it's hard. It really is a very, very political sport. Well, thanks for the question, Sports Week MMA. I hope Shorty answered literally everything. That was amazing. He's all fired up. He lost five pounds sweating. my friend. Where's Greg Hardy? I'm gonna fight him now. Oh, He's enough to get. <laughs> oh, there's Bob Ross. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> From at Aaron1981 on Twitter. Hashtag the A side. Good afternoon, everyone. Well, it is still morning over here in Arizona. 
excluding this weekend, which title fight do you think will happen next? Also, do you predict more interim belts being used due to the current climate? Well, excluding this week, we already know which title fight's happening next. That's Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer. Uh, I assume they don't mean that one, too. So which title fight out of f- fights not booked do you expect next? I'll start with Pizzi. I'd say Shevchenko and uh, Calderwood will be made as soon as uh, Valentin is not injured. Um, because that was meant to be going down yeah. in June, right? Mm-hmm. In Perth. Perth. I'd say that's a, that's a good one. But uh, just on the, the second thing about interim belts, I don't know about interim belts, but there's going to be a shitload of opportunities right now for fighters in America, for fighters in the US. Um, I think it's going to be very bad for the fighters in Europe. Um, I, I don't think, I think they're going to get, you know, just, just through this travel situations and stuff like that. I just don't think it's going to be good for them. Uh, I know that's why international, uh, I mean, fight, fight Island is being made for apparently because in, uh, international fighters will be able to fly in without any restrictions. But I do feel as though Paul Felder spoke about it on Eurobash this week. He was like, there is going to be opportunities all over the place. Like look at Cruz even against Cejudo as an example of that. Um, obviously Dominic is a legend. I'm not, not taking that away from him, but you know, it was an opportunity based on the fact that Aldo was meant to fight Cejudo, and I expect that to happen a whole lot, man. I really do. I think there's going to be huge opportunities to leapfrog, um, you know, other contenders going on at the moment, and that doesn't look good for the likes of uh, Piotr Jan and uh, Leon Edwards at the moment, particularly. Well, there's also some champions like Volkanovski, uh, Wiley Zhang, Israel Adesanya, like, they're all international champions, so, like, who knows when they'll be able to to defend their title. There's still a flyweight championship out there that hasn't been claimed. Uh, Figueroa's versus Benavidez, obviously Dana White wants that rematch, but who knows if Figueroa can get that fight. I'm just trying to go through all the divisions in my head. Featherweight's international, lightweight. Habib's on the shelf. We get the interim title fight. Welterweight, maybe. Masvidal, Usman, or Usman fights someone. That could happen, too. Middleweight, no. Light heavyweight, John versus... Raised because like they can, Jan Blahovitz probably not going to get the shot due to international fighter heavyweight. Stipe obviously said he wants to wait till fall, descent, fall, winter, and then Amanda Nunes has two of two belts at, in the women's division. So welterweight maybe. I don't know unless they start just pulling uh, contenders out from like like you said like farther down the rankings just to get fights. But I have absolutely no idea. It's going to be a clusterfuck. It is going to be a clusterfuck to say that. I just hope I just hope there's no interim belts given because the interim belts are already being belittled, and especially during this time, if they just start giving hardware out like that. Uh, yeah, it, it just wouldn't it wouldn't look good for the promotion. I don't think so, at least. No, nah, this the, the, after this interim lightweight fight, I don't want to see any more interim belts for a while. But we, I feel like we see that every year. I mean, we did remember for one of the I think it was the two twenty six press conference. Dana White got like the key to the city from Las Vegas, and a fan just goes, "It's the interim key" from like the crowd, and even Dana White <laughs> laughed at it. So like even he's in on the joke at this point. But I don't again. I don't want to hear the I word anymore brought up <laughs> if I'm, we're talking about championships. I'm pro interim belt, I think. Uh-huh. Hand them out to everyone. Just everyone gets a belt except for the fighters, champion. So whatever. Sure. Maybe, yeah. maybe maybe you should do like everyone has an interim belt, and if you lose, you have to give your interim belt to that guy, and whoever has the most belt at the end, like wins the actual belt. Like whoever collects ten belts like automatically it. wins the belt. <laughs> a trade in value, ten interim belts equals one champ regular championship. That sounds about right. Yeah, and then you get oh, a little yeah. card, you get a little stamp once you win the fight, you know. <laughs> yeah. Little there ribbon and stickers, you know, a little star. I like it. Case I know we've run over a little on time, but do we have any more questions? I feel like all of our answers are very long and detailed for this episode. So do we have any more that we haven't got to? Nah. We're good. We're good? good. All right. Well, because I'm about to piss myself. Shorty, I'll give you the the floor is yours. Of course, you know the drill. The floor is yours for whatever you want to say as the guest of honor this week. Oh, I appreciate it. I'm I'm the guest of honor. Oh my god. Always. Uh, I I thought I thought I was the guest of something. I just didn't expect honor. Um. So, guys, again, if you want to follow me, IG Jose Shorty Torres, and I do answer questions. I do reply back to all fan mail, and I have been making technique videos for you guys on the punching bag or shadow boxing. So, if there's anything you all want to see. Let me know. I'm more than happy to put it out there for you guys. And um, 
Instagram, or excuse me, Facebook and Twitter, Shorty Torres MMA. And if you want to help my foundation, 100% of the proceeds on my website, teamshorty.com. Go to help uh, people, kids, teens, and young adults stay inside the gym and off the streets, especially during right now. I'm actually going to be making a lot of masks. Um, and what I will be doing is for every time somebody buys a set of masks, I will also be donating a set of masks to a certain charity, whether it's an actual hospital, a charity center, a homeless shelter, or even detention facilities down by the uh, by the border. So if you guys have any questions about that, it's something I'm going to be doing very, very soon, just trying to get the designs all set up and, and as safe as possible. But guys, I appreciate all the love and support. And let me know if you guys have anything else. Pizzi, anything you want to add before we sign off this week? No, just go and follow all the things uh, Shari just told you to follow. That's what I'd say. That's Chris, right. I'm going to boy up. I survived my week in Jacksonville, guys. Come on, Jose. You can do it, baby. I got this. I don't have any. Um... Jose, that's Casey. That's Pizzi. That's Shorty. We'll see you probably Monday because we got weddings on Friday again. Woo! We're out. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, Mom. No. <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.